Chapters 51 through 60 of Against Celsus, Book 3, by Origen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. And if they are not to be blamed for so doing, let us see whether Christians do not exhort multitudes to the practice of virtue in a greater and better degree than they. For the philosophers who converse in public do not pick and choose their hearers, but he who likes stands and listens. The Christians, however, having previously, so far as possible, tested the souls of those who wish to become their hearers, and having previously instructed them in private, when they appear before entering the community, to have sufficiently evinced their desire towards a virtuous life, introduced them then, and not before, privately forming one class of those who are beginners and are receiving admission, but who have not yet obtained the mark of complete purification, and another of those who have manifested to the best of their ability their intention to desire no other things than are approved by Christians, and among these there are certain persons appointed to make inquiries regarding the lives and behavior of those who join them, in order that they may prevent those who commit acts of infamy from coming into their public assembly, while those of a different character they receive with their whole heart, in order that they may daily make them better. And this is their method of procedure, both with those who are sinners, and especially with those who lead dissolute lives, whom they exclude from their community, although, according to Celsus, they resemble those who in the marketplaces perform the most shameful tricks. Now the venerable school of the Pythagoreans used to erect a canotaph to those who had apostatized from their system of philosophy, treating them as dead. But the Christians lament as dead those who have been vanquished by licentiousness or any other sin, because they are lost and dead to God, and as being risen from the dead, if they manifest a becoming change, they receive them afterwards, at some future time, after a greater interval than in the case of those who were admitted at first, but not placing in any office or post of rank in the church of God those who, after professing the gospel, lapsed and fell. Observe now, with regard to the following statement of Celsus, quote, We see also those persons who in the marketplaces perform most disreputable tricks and collect crowds around them, end quote. Whether a manifest falsehood has not been uttered and things compared which have no resemblance, he says that these individuals to whom he compares us who, quote, perform the most disreputable tricks in the marketplaces and collect crowds would never approach an assembly of wise men nor dare to show off their tricks before them, but wherever they see young men and a mob of slaves and a gathering of foolish people, thither do they thrust themselves in and make a display. End quote. Now, in speaking thus, he does nothing else than simply load us with abuse, like the woman upon the public streets whose object is to slander one another. For we do everything in our power to secure that our meetings should be composed of wise men, and those things among us which are especially excellent and divine, we then venture to bring forward publicly in our discussions when we have an abundance of intelligent hearers, while we conceal and pass by in silence the truths of deeper import when we see that our audience is composed of simpler minds which need such instruction as is figuratively termed milk. For the word is used by our Paul in writing to the Corinthians, who were Greeks, 
and not yet purified in their morals. Quote, I have fed you with milk, not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife, are ye not carnal and walk as men? End quote. Now the same writer, knowing that there was a certain kind of nourishment better adapted for the soul, and that the food of those young persons who were admitted was compared to milk, continues, quote, And ye are become such as have need of milk, and not of strong meat. For every one that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. End quote. Would then those who believe these words to be well spoken suppose that the noble doctrines of our faith would never be mentioned in assembly of wise men, but that whatever our instructors see young men, and a mob of slaves, and a collection of foolish individuals, they bring publicly forward divine and venerable truths, and before such persons make a display of themselves in treating of them? But it is clear to him who examines the whole spirit of our writings that Celsus is animated with a hatred against the human race resembling that of the ignorant populace and gives utterance to the falsehoods without examination. We acknowledge, however, although Celsus will not have it so, that we do desire to instruct all men in the word of God, so as to give to young men the exhortations which are appropriate to them, and to show to slaves how they may recover freedom of thought, and be ennobled by the word. And those amongst us who are the ambassadors of Christianity sufficiently declare that they are debtors to Greeks and barbarians, to wise men and fools, for they do not deny their obligation to cure the souls even of foolish persons, in order that as far as possible they may lay aside their ignorance and endeavor to obtain greater prudence by listening also to the words of Solomon, quote, O ye fools, be of an understanding heart, and who is the most simple among you, let him turn unto me, End quote. And wisdom exhorts those who are devoid of understanding in the words, quote, Come, eat of my bread, and drink of the wine which I have mixed for you. Forsake folly, that ye may live, and correct understanding and knowledge. End quote. This too would I say, seeing it bears on the point, in answer to the statement of Celsus, do not philosophers invite young men to their lectures? And do they not encourage young men to exchange a wicked life for a better? And do they not desire slaves to learn philosophy? Must we find fault, then, with philosophers who have exhorted slaves to the practice of virtue? With Pythagoras, for having so done with Zemalxus, Zeno with Perseus, and with those who recently encouraged Epictetus to the study of philosophy. Is it indeed permissible for you, O Greeks, to call youths and slaves and foolish persons to the study of philosophy? But if we do so, we do not act from philanthropic motives in wishing to heal every rational nature with the medicine of reason and to bring them into fellowship with God, the creator of all things? These remarks, then, may suffice in answer to what are slanders rather than accusations on the part of Celsus. But as Celsus delights to heap up calumnies against us, and, in addition to those which he has already uttered, has added others, let us examine these also, and see whether it be the Christians or Celsus 
who have reason to be ashamed of what is said. He asserts, quote, We see, indeed, in private houses, workers in wool and leather and fullers and persons of the most uninstructed and rustic character, not venturing to utter a word in the presence of their elders and wiser masters, but when they get hold of the children privately and certain women as ignorant as themselves, they pour forth wonderful statements to the effect that they ought not to give heed to their father and to their teachers, but should obey them, that the former are foolish and stupid and neither know nor can perform anything that is really good, being preoccupied with empty trifles that they alone know how men ought to live and that if the children obey them they will both be happy themselves and will make their home happy also and while thus speaking if they see one of the instructors of youth approaching or one of the more intelligent class or even the father himself the more timid among them become afraid while the more forward incite the children to throw off the yoke whispering that in the presence of father and teachers they neither will nor can explain to them any good thing seeing they turn away with aversion from the silliness and stupidity of such persons as being altogether corrupt and far advanced in wickedness and such as would inflict punishments upon them but that if they wish to avail themselves of their aid they must leave their father and their instructors and go with the women and their playfellows to the women's apartments to the leather shop or to the fuller shop that they may attain to perfection and by words like these they gain them over observe now how by such statements he depreciates those amongst us who are teachers of the word and who strive in every way to raise the soul to the creator of all things and who show that we ought to despise things quote, sensible and temporal and visible End quote. and to do our utmost to reach communion with god and the contemplation of things that are quote, intelligent and invisible End quote. and a blessed life with god and the friends of god comparing them to quote, workers in wool in private houses and to leather cutters and to fullers and to the most rustic of mankind who carefully incite young boys to wickedness and women to forsake their fathers and teachers and follow them End quote. Now let Celsus point out from what wise parent or from what teachers we keep away children and women, and let him ascertain by comparison among those children and women who are adherents of our doctrine whether any of the opinions which they formerly heard are better than ours, and in what manner we draw away children and women from noble and venerable studies and incite them to worse things. But he will not be able to make good any such charge against us, seeing that, on the contrary, we turn away women from a dissolute life and from being at variance with those with whom they live, from all mad desires after theatres and dancing, and from superstition, while we train to habits of self-restraint boys just reaching the age of puberty and feeling a desire for sexual pleasures, pointing out to them not only the disgrace which attends those sins, but also the state to which the soul of the wicked is reduced through practices of that kind and the judgments which it will suffer and the punishments which will be inflicted but who are the teachers whom we call triflers and fools whose defence is undertaken by celsus as of those who teach better things i know not 
unless he deemed those to be good instructors of women and no triflers who invite them to superstition and to unchaste spectacles and those moreover to be teachers not devoid of sense who lead young men to the communion of all those disorderly acts which we know are often committed by them we indeed call away these also as far as we can from the dogmas of philosophy to our worship of god by showing forth its excellence and purity but as celsus by his statements has declared that we do not do so but that we call only the foolish i would say to him quote, if you had charged us with withdrawing from the study of philosophy those who were already preoccupied with it you would not have spoken the truth and yet your charge would have had an appearance of probability but when you now say that we draw away our adherence from good teachers show who are those other teachers save the teachers of philosophy or those who have been appointed to give instruction in some useful branch of study End quote. he will be unable however to show any such while we promise openly and not in secret that they will be happy who live according to the word of god and who look to him in all things and who do everything whatever it is as if in the presence of god are these the instructions of workers in wool and of leather cutters and fullers and uneducated rustics but such an assertion he cannot make good but those who in the opinion of celsus resemble the workers in wool in private houses and the leather cutters and fullers and uneducated rustics will he alleges in the presence of father or teachers be unwilling to speak or unable to explain to the boys anything that is good in answer to which we would say what kind of father my good sir and what kind of teacher do you mean if you mean one who approves of virtue and turns away from vice and welcomes what is better then know that with the greatest boldness will we declare our opinions to the children because we will be in good repute with such a judge but if in the presence of a father who has a hatred of virtue and goodness we keep silence and also before those who teach what is contrary to sound doctrine do not blame us for so doing since you will blame us without good reason you at all events in a case where fathers deem the mysteries of philosophy an idle and unprofitable occupation for their sons and for young men in general would not in teaching philosophy make known its secrets before worthless parents but desiring to keep apart those sons of wicked parents who had been turned towards this study of philosophy you would observe the proper seasons in order that the doctrines of philosophy might reach the minds of the young men and we say the same regarding our teachers for if we turn our hearers away from those instructors who teach obscene comedies and licentious iambics and many other things which neither improve the speaker nor benefit the hearers because the latter do not know how to listen to poetry in a philosophic frame of mind nor the former how to say to each of the young men what tends to his profit we are not in following such a course ashamed to confess what we do but if you will show me teachers who train young men for philosophy and who exercise them in it i will not from such turn away young men but will try to raise them as those who have been previously exercised in the whole circle of learning and in philosophical subjects to the venerable and lofty heights of eloquence which lies hid from the multitude of christians 
where are discussed topics of the greatest importance and where it is demonstrated and shown that they have been treated philosophically both by the prophets of god and the apostles of jesus immediately after this celsus perceiving that he has slandered us with too great bitterness as if by way of defence expresses himself as follows quote, that i bring no heavier charge than what the truth compels me any one may see from the following remarks those who invite to participation in other mysteries make proclamation as follows every one who has clean hands and a prudent tongue others again thus he who is pure from all pollution and whose soul is conscious of no evil and who has lived well and justly such is the proclamation made by those who promise purification from sins but let us hear what kind of persons these christians invite every one they say who is a sinner who is devoid of understanding who is a child and to speak generally whoever is unfortunate him will the kingdom of god receive do you not call him a sinner then who is unjust and a thief and a housebreaker and a poisoner and a committer of sacrilege and a robber of the dead what others would a man invite if he were issuing a proclamation for an assembly of robbers End quote. now in answer to such statements we say that it is not the same thing to invite those who are sick in soul to be cured and those who are in health to the knowledge and study of divine things we however keeping both these things in view at first invite all men to be healed and exhort those who are sinners to come to the consideration of the doctrines which teach men not to sin and those who are devoid of understanding to those which beget wisdom and those who are children to rise in their thoughts to manhood and those who are simply unfortunate to good fortune or which is the more appropriate term to use to blessedness and when those who have been turned towards virtue have made progress and have shown that they have been purified by the word and have led as far as they can a better life then and not before do we invite them to participation in our mysteries quote, for we speak wisdom among them that are perfect end quote. and as we teach moreover that quote, wisdom will not enter into the soul of a base man nor dwell in a body that is involved in sin end quote. we say whoever has clean hands and therefore lifts up holy hands to god and by reason of being occupied with elevated and heavenly things can say quote, the lifting up of my hands is as the evening sacrifice end quote. let him come to us and whoever has a wise tongue through meditating on the law of the lord day and night and by quote, reason of habit has the senses exercised to discern between good and evil end quote. let him have no reluctance in coming to the strong and rational sustenance which is adapted to those who are athletes in piety and every virtue and since the grace of god is with all those who love with the pure affection the teacher of the doctrines of immortality whoever is pure not only from all defilement but from what are regarded as lesser transgressions let him be boldly initiated in the mysteries of jesus which properly are made known only to the holy and the pure the initiated of celsus accordingly says quote, let him whose soul is conscious of no evil come end quote. but he who acts as an initiator according to the precepts of jesus will say to those who have been purified in heart quote, he whose soul has 
for a long time been conscious of no evil and especially since he yielded himself to the healing of the word let such an one hear the doctrines which were spoken in private by jesus to his genuine disciples therefore in the comparison which he institutes between the procedure of the initiators into the gresham mysteries and the teachers of the doctrine of jesus he does not know the difference between inviting the wicked to be healed and initiating those already purified into the sacred mysteries end of chapters fifty one through sixty of against celsus book three by origin read by david ronald